come of whisper. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadow. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. The Whistler's Strange Story. Gratitude. surge with the impact of the terrific struggle going on below its surface. Two men tugged and pulled at one another, swirled and twisted free, then locked together again and the struggle became even more intense. Two men, one young and strong, the other older and fighting with all the waning strength left in him. Finally, the young man clutched the older one and pushed up to the gurgling surface of the water, held him at arm's length and landed a crashing blow to the older man's chin. The struggle was over, and the young man, spent and breathless from the ordeal, slowly towed the limp form of the older man to the water's edge. The small crowd which had gathered closed around him, and the older man was lifted to safety. The young man, Cliff Garner, sat exhausted at the water's edge, his eyes fixed on the limp form. You okay, Cliff? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Shit, all right. They're working on him. He'll be fine, Cliff. And if I know Sid Lorenz, he'll never forget you for saving his life. Yes, Cliff, you've done a fine thing. You've saved a man's life. Not just an ordinary man, either. You've saved the life of Sid Lorenz, the famous and fabulously wealthy motion picture producer. And the studio's buzzing with the account of Sid's fall from the superstructure on the set into the tank. And the courageous efforts of the stuntman on the picture who saved him. You, Cliff. It feels good to be a hero, doesn't it? And you're certain that Sid will reward you handsomely for saving his life. Several evenings later, you're the guest of honor at a party in Sid's beautiful hillside home. Helen's with you. Helen Ames. The pretty little movie extra, beaming with pride. Listen, everyone. Listen. Can you all hear me? Ah, thank you. I want to propose a toast to the man who risked his life to save mine. My eternal gratitude to Cliff Garner. Thanks, Mr. Lorenz. Oh, not at all, Cliff. Okay, everybody. How about some dancing now, huh? Go on, Cliff. You and Helen dance. I want you youngsters to enjoy yourselves. Oh, we will, Mr. Lorenz. Come on, Cliff. I want to dance with a hero. Huh? Oh, sure, sure. Anything wrong, Cliff? You don't act like the man of the hour. I don't feel much like him either. Uh, Let's forget it, huh? You expected more than a toast, didn't you, Cliff? The smile, the gratitude Sid expressed. You expected something more tangible than that, and you're disappointed. The evening wears on, and you're certain that Helen senses your disappointment, but she says nothing. You grow sick of the sight of well-dressed people, of the wealth, the means all around you. Sid's lavish home, his lavish friend, and his eternal gratitude to you, the man who saved his life. And then, about midnight, you find yourself in the library with Helen, Sid, and several of his close friends. Say, Sid, about your new picture, I have a couple of problems that Same I... Same till I get back, Sam. I'm on a vacation. Oh, are you <laughs> going away, Mr. Lorenz? Oh, just to Palm Springs for a month, Miss Ames. I need a rest. Uh, if it hadn't been for Cliff here, you might have gotten that long rest, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, I know. I owe Cliff a lot. Oh, forget it, Sid. I didn't do much. Oh, yes, you did. And I won't forget it. Of course, I've thought about it a great deal. You know, you can't offer a friend money for saving your life. Besides, I know that a guy who'd risk his life for a friend wouldn't want money for it. But you can be sure of one thing, Cliff. You'll always have a job with me. A good job. Well, thanks, Sid. That's, uh, that's fine. Fine. I certainly appreciate it. Oh, you don't have to thank me for anything? Oh, say, you folks ever know how Cliff and I happened to get together? No, I never heard. How did it happen? Well, when I first met him, he was a college student getting a degree. 
in uh, literature, wasn't it, uh, Cliff? Yeah, that's right. Medieval literature. Ah. One of his professors recommended him to me when I was doing a period picture. And Cliff helped us keep it authentic. And he did, too. Did a good job. Well, why'd you switch the sounding, Cliff? Money. After Uncle Sam made a paratrooper out of me, I found that I could do more tricks with my body than I could with my mind. And get more for it. Medieval literature doesn't pay much rent, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's a great wealth to have, your knowledge of literature. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. I want to show you people something. Oh, you'll especially appreciate this, Cliff. Hmm? No, I haven't shown them to many people. Well, you'll have to move back a bit. Move back a bit, Cliff. The the, the wall safe's right behind you. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Now, let me see here. Your eyes follow the movement of Sid's hand as he works the combination of the wall safe. Without consciously meaning to, your mind registers the exact movements that he makes. Eight right, ten left, twelve right, three left. And then consciously this time, you repeat the numbers in your mind until you've memorized them. And as soon as you can, you'll write them down while they're still fresh in your mind. Sid is taking something from the safe and has brought it over to a better light than you follow him. Suddenly quite secure in your new knowledge. Ah, there they are. Original German manuscripts. How's that for a medieval treasure cliff, hmm? They're wonderful, Sid. They're marvelous. Gottfried von Strasbourg, Mm -hmm. 12th century Germanic poet. Karl von Zammer, Austrian philosopher. Mm -hmm. Gustav Fleming. They're the real thing, all right, Sid. Uh, I knew you'd appreciate them. I paid a hundred thousand for them, and I wouldn't sell them for a million. You know the yellowed manuscripts are worth all of a hundred thousand dollars, don't you, Cliff? You recognize their value immediately, and a plan begins to form in your mind. You know the combination to the wall safe where Sid has returned the medieval manuscripts. And Sid's leaving the next day for Palm Springs, taking the help with him. Somehow, the fact that Sid didn't reward you financially for saving his life is easier to take now, isn't it, Cliff? You think about it as you drive Helen home from the party. Well, wonderful party, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, fine party. Oh, it was nice of Mr. Lorenz to guarantee you a job that way for as long as he lived. That's what he said, wasn't it? That's what he said. You know, Cliff, I I suppose this sounds terrible, but I really think he should have given you a reward. Money, I mean. Is it awful of me to feel that way? I wouldn't worry about it. Well, I'm sorry, Cliff. I, I guess it shouldn't bother me if it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother you, does it? No. Why should it? No, it doesn't bother you, Cliff. Because you've already decided to take your own reward from Sid Lorenz. It's a simple plan. And early the next evening, you put your plan into action. You drop by Helen's to break your date with her for that night. And then you drive to Sid's hillside home. You park your car down the road quietly make your way along the high hedge toward the house. Suddenly you hear footsteps ahead of you and you crouch back into the hedge. A flashlight penetrates the darkness at the entrance of the house. And then you see the old caretaker on his regular tour of the grounds. He turns, goes off across the terrace, and you hear his footsteps slowly die away in the distance. And then you move quickly to the side of the house and the library windows. Force a screen, then the window, and you're inside. In a matter of minutes, you have the manuscripts in your hand, and you retrace your steps hurriedly back to the car. Helen. Hello, Cliff. So you stole the manuscripts. Why did you do this? Everything was going smoothly, wasn't it, Cliff? Everything until you found Helen waiting for you in your car. You had entered Sid Lorenz's home unnoticed. 
removed his priceless medieval manuscripts from the wall safe. Your idea of what Sid might have given you for saving his life. But now there's Helen to contend with. What's the idea, Helen? Why did you follow me here? Because I was afraid you might do this. Last night you didn't seem very concerned that Sid Lorenz hadn't given you a reward. Any money, I mean. You weren't mad enough, Cliff, or hurt enough. And I noticed how closely you watched Sid when he opened his wall safe. It worried me. And tonight, when you came by and broke our date, I just knew I'd find you here. So I came to in a taxi. Come on, we're getting out of here. Cliff, you've got to take the manuscripts back. You don't want to steal. I did want... Please, listen to me. You're too nice a guy. You listen to me. I didn't ask you in on this. This deal is mine. It says these manuscripts are worth 100,000 bucks. Well, that's great with me. Now I've got them. I won't have any trouble dumping them for a quick $50,000. You just forget you tagged along tonight. I won't forget. I'm sorry I know about it, but I... Helen, will you be reasonable? I did this guy a big favor. I saved his fat neck. What does he do? Nothing. I know I can always have a job with him as long as he lives. Well, that's just dandy. Well, I like this job better. The 50,000 bucks. Oh, Cliff, it just isn't right. You can't do it. Nothing's worth the risk you're taking. Not worth hiding the rest of your life. I warn you. If the police question me about this, I'll have to tell them the truth. I'll talk. I'll have to. Okay, Helen. Okay, we'll take him back. We, but I have... I want to be sure they get back in the safe, don't you? Come on before I change my mind. And once again, Cliff, you make your way across the grounds of the Lorenz estate. The two of you move cautiously past the long row of trees... Then out over the broad expanse of lawn, bathed in bright moonlight. And then just as you reach the path to the terrace. Cliff, wait. Caretaker. We got a body. He's coming around this way. You'll see us. Let's get out of here. Cooper, I said, let's go. Hey, hey, you there, hey! Hurry up, Helen. Hey, hey, you two, stop, stop! You almost got us caught, oh, Cliff. Do you think he recognized us? He didn't get close enough for that. Oh, well, what are we going to do now? Exactly nothing. Oh, but the manuscript. Look, if you think I'm going back there now, you're crazy. But you've got to. You've got to put them back. Not in your life. Cliff, I warn you. Save your breath. There's nothing you can do about it now. What do you mean? You're involved in this just as much as I am. The caretaker will remember seeing two people run from the house. A man and a woman. Now you won't turn me in, will you, Helen? But I had nothing to do with stealing the manuscript. I know that, but the police won't. If I'm picked up. That clear, sweetheart? Yes, Cliff. You've made it very clear. You're sure you have nothing to fear from her now, Cliff. Helen will have to keep quiet, won't she? Because she knows you'll involve her in the theft if she talks. The two of you drive into town to her apartment without speaking another word. Then you return to your cottage at Santa Monica. Good night's rest. And the following morning, you hurry downtown to the Moncrief Art Galleries to visit an old college friend. Well, what do you know? Hello, Stan. Cliff, you old <laughs> son of a gun. How are you? Fine. How's the art business? Oh, slow. Very slow. <laughs> Say, I am glad to see you. What brings you around? Oh, frankly, something you once said about your boss. Moncrief? Mm-hmm. He said he buys and sells and never asks too many questions. Oh, that. Well, uh, perhaps I gave you the wrong impression of Mr. Moncrief. Uh, I... I don't think so. Oh, sure, he operates a legit business, but uh, from what you said, he isn't against picking up a buck now and then that isn't quite so legit. Oh, it'll have to be worth his while. I think you'll find it worthwhile. 
Why don't you skip back there to his office? Tell him I'd like to have a little chat with him, hmm? All right. Wait here. Well, Mr. Moncrief, you satisfied they're genuine? Oh, indeed, indeed, sir. <clears throat> May I ask how you were... How I got the manuscripts isn't very important. Oh, on the contrary, it's quite important. I understand, but there's nothing to worry about for the present. They won't be missed for at least a month. You're uh, certain? I'm certain. The owner won't be back in town until the 25th. Then who knows when he'll look into his safe. I see. Well, then, well, that's time enough. I was told a lot of them was worth 100 grand. Uh, Not on the market I'll have. No, no, I guess not. What do you think you can get for them? Ooh, possibly 60,000. 60,000. What's your cut? 30%. You are high-priced, aren't you? Okay, 30% it is, Mr. Moncrief. Good, good. Uh, leave the manuscript with me. I'll, I'll call you in a few days. You'll leave Moncrief. Drive back to your cottage. And you wonder if it wasn't a mistake turning the manuscripts over to him, don't you, Cliff? Thirty percent, his share, it's more than you'd counted on, isn't it? In the days that follow, you wait for some word from him. And then one evening, he pays you a visit. Come in, Mr. Moncrief. Come on in. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Sit down. How about a drink? Uh, No, thank you. No, no, no. I only stopped by for a moment to uh, return this. What is it? The manuscripts. I discovered they belong to Sid Lorenz. All right, so what? In our agreement, I was to have a month in which to dispose of it. Sure, sure. I told you, Lorenz won't be back until the 25th. You uh, haven't seen the evening paper? I know. Mr. Lorenz died of a heart attack in Palm Springs this afternoon. What? Yes. Annoying, isn't it? Now, of course, the estate will have to be settled. In a few days, his lawyers will be poking around on that safe of his. They'll discover the manuscripts are gone. Exactly. And when that news breaks, Mr. Garner, I don't want to have them on my hands. I guess you put the manuscripts away before you answer the doorbell. Hello, Cliff. Oh, it's you. Have you seen the papers? Lorenzo. De- Come on in. Uh, Mr. Garner, I really must be going. Now, wait a minute, Mike. Sorry we couldn't do business. Look, we can figure out something. I'm afraid not. Good night. Cliff, who was he? Never mind. Well, you heard about Mr. Lorenz. Yes, yes, I heard about the Lorenz. Oh, Cliff, you've got to return the manuscript before don't they shot... Don't start in on that again. But how do you know the caretaker didn't recognize us that night? I don't. But look, if he had, we'd have heard about it by now, wouldn't we? Oh, please, Cliff. While there's still time, take them back. I'll help you. I'll do anything you say. Leave me alone, will you, Helen? If they find you with the manuscripts, it'll mean prison, Cliff. Don't you understand? Prison? Stop yakking, will you? I want to think. Yes, you've got to think it out, Cliff. Make up your mind what to do. You can put the manuscripts back into the safe where they belong. Have nothing more to worry about. Or you can keep them, hide them somewhere, and dispose of them once the affair blows over. Later, after you've dropped Helen at her apartment, you find yourself driving into the residential district, past the Lorenz estate, dark and seemingly deserted. You turn around and drive by it again again, trying to make up your mind what to do with a roll of stolen manuscripts in your overcoat pocket. Then you make your decision. You turn into the main highway and head back to your cottage in Santa Monica. You know now that you can't give up the manuscripts. Not when they're worth $50,000 to you. The news of the theft is in the papers that weekend, isn't it, Cliff? Yes, the loss of the Lorenz manuscripts has been discovered by his lawyers. There's a mention, too, of the old caretaker in the news story. The fact that he saw a man and woman running from the house one night last week. And you're relieved to learn that he's unable to give a description of the two. Several times that day, you try to check with Helen by telephone, but she doesn't answer. Following morning, you receive a surprise visitor, Mr. Moncrief. I see by the papers, Mr. Garner, the police are baffled. They have no lead at all. That's right. <laughs> um, still have the manuscript? Sure. 
What? Well, uh, the news of the theft has created considerable interest among several of my um, old uh, clients. They all seem quite anxious to buy the manuscripts. Is that so? Yes, one of them in Europe has made a very tempting offer. 65,000, I believe. uh, I believe you should take it. That is a very tempting offer. Yes, yes. Well, what do you say, Mr. Carter? Real anxious now, aren't you? Not as cautious as you were. Oh, but I am. We won't close the deal now. We'll wait a while, say, three months until the affair cools off. In the meantime, you hold on to the menu. You still want your 30%? Yes, that's right. No, 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 no. As long as I'm going to have to wait that long, I might want to shop around. Find someone else to handle this deal at a smaller percentage. I don't think you will. There's no harm in trying. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to have you handle this deal. You're a very good man. But I still want to shop around. Unless you want to sew it up right here, Margaret. Take 20%, and it's all yours. Oh, dear, dear. I do hate to hang. Oh, really? I... If your client will pay 65, he'll pay 70. You can peel the extra five grand off the top, add it to your percentage. At least it would pay your expenses to Europe. Yes, I could do that, could I? <laughs> you probably had it in mind all along. All right, Mr. Garner, it's the deal. Fine. You're sure nothing will go wrong? Oh, leave it to me, Mr. Garner. Just leave everything to me. Hold on to the manuscripts until I ask for them. You'll have around 50000 in cash before the year is out, I promise you. <laughs> Love the sound of your voice, Moncrief, when you speak like that. Love it. worked out perfectly, hasn't it, Cliff? You've only to wait a few months or so. Moncrief will dispose of the manuscripts for you and you'll receive over $50,000. You smile as you realize how close you came to losing it all if you had listened to Helen. If you'd replaced the manuscripts in the safe. Instead, you decided to keep them and gamble. And now that gamble is going to pay off. After Moncrief has left your cottage, you can't resist taking the manuscripts from your desk drawer and looking at them. You settle down in the big easy chair by the fireplace and congratulate yourself. Suddenly, you sit up as you hear a car stop outside your cottage. You move quickly to the window. Police car. Panic sweeps over you as you see two men step out of the police car and start down the path towards your cottage. They're coming here. She must have told them. If they find you with a manuscript, Cliff, you'll mean prison. Don't you understand? Prison! Your eyes dart around the room, looking for a place to hide the stolen manuscripts. But it's too late, isn't it? You don't have time. In a split second, you make your decision. It's the last thing you want to do. But you throw the manuscripts into the fire. You stand there helplessly. Watch them go up in flames. It takes but a moment, and then they're gone. Fifty thousand dollars. But that's better than going to prison, isn't it? Yes, the police can prove nothing. Can they, Cliff? Yes? Lieutenant Fletcher, police department. May we come in? Uh, sure. This is Mr. Jepson, Mr. Lawrence's lawyer. We, uh... Came about the Lorenz manuscripts, Mr. Garner. You must have read about them in the papers. They were stolen. Sure, I've read about it. We just dropped by to give you a report on how we're making out. Don't worry, Mr. Garner. We'll find them for you. For me? Oh, you didn't know? Mr. Lorenz didn't tell you before his death? Tell me what? Why, Mr. Lorenz left the manuscripts to you in his will. In gratitude for your having saved his life. Whistler has just brought you another of his strange tales through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education.
And now, stay tuned for the program that has rated tops in popularity for a longer period of time than any other West Coast program in radio history. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. Signal, the famous go-farther gasoline, invites you to sit back and enjoy another strange story by The Whistler. I am The Whistler, and I know many things before I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now for the Signal Oil Company, the Whistler's strange story, Fatal Error. It was a unique arrangement between Lloyd McRae and his partner, Matt Banyan. On the surface, they appeared to be realizing only a modest average income, quite in keeping with their operations of a few air cargo planes. But beneath the surface, that was something else again. Just as certain secret side trips across the border into Mexico produced something else again in the way of big profits for McRae and Banyan. Yes. These were the deals the partners never discussed with anyone other than themselves. Not even Fran Engel, Matt's girlfriend, was told about the highly profitable sideline. Of course, there was always the danger of being exposed, and the partners were gradually reaching the danger point. Both were well aware of this as they discussed it one afternoon in their airport office. Well, that's how I see it, Matt. We've put 25 grand away in six months, and I say it's time to lay off for a while. Anybody been snooping around? No, or? no. Maybe I'm just jumpy, that's all. Maybe. Hmm? Yeah. I see your point. Well, so what's our next move? Well, nothing special. Just just start giving a little more attention to customers who want to do legitimate business, that's all. <laughs> you mean Kramer, Lee, yeah. and the rest of our customers? Yeah. Eh? Oh, look, Lee wants to talk about a frozen meat shipment tonight. Uh, see him, will you? His place, 8 o'clock. Oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can't you handle it? I've got a date with Fran. Fran? Well, she's working no, tonight anyway. No, her throat's bothering you. She's not singing at the club tonight. Well, look, you know I never do as well with customers as you do, Matt. You've got away with them. I haven't. Yeah, done. thanks, Lloyd. Maybe so. Matt, look, it... we're still running a business. We're trying to make it look that way. I should think you'd okay, want to do something about okay, it. Okay, the lecture. Lee's place, 8 o'clock. I'll be there. All right, that's better. Yes, Lloyd, it's better all the way around, isn't it? Because you lied when you told Matt that there was nothing special about the next move. But then you couldn't very well tell him the truth, could you? Not when the next move is entirely yours, alone. When you plan to eliminate your partner. Not only grab the $25,000 the two of you have laid away, together, but more important, Matt won't be around to share in the future profits of your highly lucrative sideline. It's a simple plan, too, isn't it, Lloyd? Yet you shudder when you realize what might happen to you if you failed. If Matt found out that you tried to kill him. A powerful man, isn't he? He could break you in two like a twig. You wait in the darkened alleyway a block from Lee's place. Tell yourself nothing will go wrong. No one in the world knows about the extra money the two of you have accumulated. The 25000 you keep hidden away in your office safe. There won't be a single reason for suspicion to be pointed in your direction. It'll be just an unexplained killing, something for you to read about in the papers the next day, along with everyone else. It's almost eight, and now you hear them. Footsteps. Closer. Closer. He's right on time, isn't he, Lloyd? Right on time. You whirl, run from the alley, 
On the sidewalk, you almost knock someone over. Uh, Look out, let me buy You turn your face away from the woman, shove roughly past, and then break into a run, certain that she didn't get a clear look at you. Morning, Alice. Cup of coffee, huh? Yeah, sure, right away. Oh, here, here's the paper. You can read about oh, the shooting last night over by the Lee Frozen Meat Company. Shooting? Yeah. A fellow named Joe Ramos got himself blasted uh, by what? you. Uh, let me see that. Well, oh, there it is, right in the front page. Let's see, Joe Ramos, shot. Killed by unknown assailant. Witness described killer as a... Slight of build. Wearing trench coat. Hey, what's the matter, Mr. McCray? You don't look so good. Did you know this Ramos guy? No. No, I didn't know the guy. It was a shock, wasn't it, Lloyd? To learn the papers have identified the man you shot down last night as Joe Ramos, not your partner, Matt Banyan. You can hardly believe it. You were so certain it was your partner. The same build, even the same walk. But you've made a mistake, haven't you? A bad mistake. And now, driving out to your office at the airport, there's a sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. The newspaper story, Lloyd, carries a partial description of you, the killer, Enough for Matt to add things up. Especially if he was early to keep that appointment with Lee, only to learn that there was never such an appointment. That you lied to him. As you approach the airport, you wonder if you shouldn't make your move now. Salvage what you can, take the money out of the safe, leave town. But that would point suspicion directly, wouldn't it, Lloyd? By the time you reach the office of the airport... You've decided to wait it out and see what Matt will do. There's no sign of Matt having been here, is there, Lloyd? So you sit at your desk, stare out the window toward the parking lot, and wait for Matt to arrive. Ten o'clock. Eleven. There's no sign of him. It's almost noon when you finally pick up the telephone and call your partner's girlfriend, Fran Engel. Oh, Fran? Yes, this Lloyd. <laughs> How's my favorite songbird? You still knocking him dead? <laughs> well, I'm big time now, one show a night. Oh, fine, fine. Uh, Fran, I've been trying to locate Matt. Uh, you see him this morning? Matt? Yeah. Why, uh, just a minute, Lloyd. I'll, I'll, I'll be right with you. Clutching the phone tightly in your hand as Fran excuses herself, you strain to listen. She talks to someone softly. Someone there in their apartment. Could be Mac, couldn't it? Finally, she comes back on the phone. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Lloyd. The uh, the cleaning man just came by to pick up some things. Uh, you were asking about Matt. Yeah, yeah. It isn't anything special. Just thought if you'd seen him, you know. Oh yeah, yes, I I saw him. He was by here a couple of hours ago. Dropped in to say goodbye. Y- goodbye. Yes, he um he had to drive up to Bakersfield on business. Didn't you know? Oh, sure, yeah. Today is Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did say something about it a few days ago. Well, um, anything else on your mind, Lloyd? I mean, in case he should call me later. Uh, no. No, forget it, Fran. Thanks. Bye. Bye. As you hang up the receiver, you lean back in your chair and breathe a sigh of relief. You'd forgotten about Matt's business trip to Bakersfield, hadn't you? And you're certain now he never would have left if he'd suspected anything. However, you're not entirely in the clear yet, are you, Lloyd? You'll still have to explain something to him when he gets back. The phony appointment with Lee. There's something else, too. You wonder if Matt's seen the newspapers, if he's read the account of the murder last night. Late that evening, just before you leave the office, you decide to find out. 
you put in a long-distance call to the hotel in Bakersfield where he usually stays. Hotel Linden. I'd like to speak with Mr. Banyan, please. Matt Banyan. Mr. Banyan? One moment, sir. Hello? Yeah? I'm sorry, sir. Mr. Banyan isn't registered. What? Well, are you sure? Quite sure, sir. Well, he, he must be there. Should have arrived hours ago. I'm sorry, sir. Oh, all right. Never mind. Something's wrong, Lloyd. You can sense it, can't you? As you close up the office and walk to the parking lot, a feeling of uneasiness builds within you. You try to fight it off. Find some reason why Matt hasn't checked into the hotel. An accident, perhaps, on the road. Yes, or motor trouble. Or he might have finished his business early and started back to town. There's nothing to be gained by staying at the office, is there? So you decide to drive on to your apartment. As you approach the all-night garage where Matt usually parks his car, an idea suddenly occurs to you. You swing into the driveway, pull up inside. Uh, hello, Frank. Oh, hiya, Mr. McRae. How's everything? Oh, I can't complain. Hey, this baby of mine needs a tune-up. It's okay if I bring it in tomorrow? Oh, sure, sure. We'll uh, take care of it, Mr. McRae. Do a good job for you. Yeah, Matt said you would. He, he's your best booster, you know. <laughs> nice guy, that Mr. Banyan. Yeah. Don't get to see him much now that I'm on the late shift. How's he doing? Oh, fine, fine. He's on a trip upstate right now. He drove up this morning. Drove up? That's funny. Why? Hey. What do you mean? He didn't take his car. It's parked back there in the stall, right where he always keeps it. You, you sure? Well, yeah, yeah. Look for yourself. I guess he must have decided to take the train for a change. Yeah, I guess so. Fran lied to you, didn't she, Lloyd? And you remember your phone conversation with her, overhearing her talking to someone in the apartment. Someone, she said, was the man from the dry cleaners. You're certain now it was Matt. And you know now why he told it a lie. He doesn't want you to know that he's here in town. And he's suspicious of you. You drive out of the garage and find yourself headed back toward the airport. You're afraid to go to your apartment, aren't you, Lloyd? Afraid that Matt will be there waiting for you. You decide to drive back to the office instead. As you enter and lock the door behind you. Without turning on the light, you step over to answer the telephone. Hello? 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 Who is it? Hello? Your hand is shaking badly, isn't it, Lloyd, as you replace the receiver? You move slowly to your chair, sink down into it, and sit there in the darkness of your office. The phone call. It could have been a wrong number, couldn't it? Yes. You've got to get hold of yourself, Lloyd. Your nerves are on edge. You've got to be very careful. You can't afford to make a mistake now and give yourself away. You're sure you know why Matt is keeping out of sight. He's waiting for you to make a move, isn't he? The wrong move. But you're not going to, are you, Lloyd? You sit there for some time, thinking things out, gradually becoming more and more confident, and then suddenly you wheel around in your chair. Stiffen as you hear the key in the lock of the office door. You're unable to move to call out. Unable to take your eyes off the doorknob as it turns slowly. Oh, oh. Mr. McRae, I, I didn't know you were here. What do you want, Pop? Why, I just come in to do the cleaning up, Mr. McRae. I, I didn't know you were here. The lights was... Yeah, all right, all right, all right. If you want, I can come back later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back later, will you? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. McRae. I didn't mean to... Just... Sure, sure, sure. You pace the floor of your office nervously for a few minutes And then reach for the telephone You must call Matt Find out if he's home Then you change your mind again And slam down the receiver You lock up the office And drive into town to the Blue Lantern The nightclub where Fran works And as you enter the crowded room She's finishing her big number 
lighter part of any melody is when you're dancing close to me. Go for Hello, friend. What? Oh, Lloyd. Nice song. Very nice. Oh, thanks. Uh, buy a drink? Oh, some other time, Lloyd. Oh, okay. What, uh, what brings you around? We don't see you here very often. Oh, I'm just bored, I guess. You know, I really don't get out as often as I should or work no play. That's bad. Yeah, uh, I spend entirely too much time at the office, I guess. Take Matt now, at least he gets a chance to take a few out-of-town trips once in a while. Too often to suit me. Maybe I ought to make those trips instead. Fine. That way I'd have Matt where I could keep my eye on him. You know, I I often wonder about those business trips. Oh, you haven't a thing to worry about, Fran. There's only one doll in his life. It's you. Yeah, sure, sure. That's what he tells me. You know, you've got a, a great guy there, Fran. Great guy. <laughs> I know. I, I guess you know, too, how I feel about him. He's the best friend I ever had. There's nothing I wouldn't do for Matt. He's a real guy. Uh, by the way, did, um, he call you tonight? Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he called, um, from his hotel. Huh? The Linden? Yeah. Why, something on your mind? Well, I, I wanted him to check on something while he was up there. I happened to think about it this afternoon. Oh, I see. I could call him in the morning, I guess. It yeah. really isn't too important. Uh, sure you won't have that drink, friend? No. No, thanks, Lloyd. I... Well, if you don't mind, I think I'll go back to my dressing room. I have a horrible headache. Oh, it's too bad. Well... I'll see you, huh? Well, you ought to come around more often. Sure. I'll do that, Fran. I'll do that. A half hour later, you park your car a block from Matt's apartment house and then walk slowly toward the four-story building. As you approach it, you glance up at the third-story window. Matt's apartment is dark. You stop for a moment. And then as you turn around... Hello, Lloyd. Huh? Hey, what's the matter, pal? Scare you? Oh, <laughs> it's you, Dave. <laughs> Been calling on Matt? Yeah, he's not home. Ain't he? No. Huh. Guess not. Dark. Well, you couldn't have missed him by much. You, uh, see him go out? No, no, but I heard him moving around up there just before I went down to the corner about ten minutes ago. Oh, you sure? Well, sure I'm sure. My apartment's right under his, ain't it? I heard him. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Well, thanks, Dave. Hey, wait. Huh? If you're going down to the airport, I'll give you a lift. Going down there in a few minutes. Oh, uh, thanks. No, no, I have my car. Shortly before midnight, you're in the residential section. You park your car on a quiet side street. And you walk a block to where you can see Fran Engel's cottage. The lights are on inside, but the blinds are drawn. You're almost certain that Matt is in there with Fran, aren't you, Lloyd? And if you wait long enough, you'll see him when he comes out. You've almost made up your mind to slip around to the side of the house and perhaps listen in on their conversation when suddenly a car pulls up in front of you and you duck back into the shadow. It's a police car, Lloyd. Well, that must be the place over there, Sergeant. That cottage? 831. Yeah, that's it. Come on, let's go. A wave of panic sweeps over you as you watch the police officers ring Fran's bell. Then the door opens and she stands there for a moment. Then nods and the officers step inside. You're sure Matt's called them in, aren't you? Certain he's found the proof that you tried to kill him. That he knows you killed Joe Ramos instead and now he's telling the police about it. You hurry back to your car and start toward town. So frightened you're unable to think clearly. Finally, you know what you must do. You drive back to your apartment, pack your bags, slip the murder gun into your coat pocket. You can dispose of it after you're safely away. And then you hurry to the airport. As you reach the parking lot, you're surprised as the attendant stops you. Say, Mr. McRae. Uh, what is it, kid? Thought maybe you ought to know. The cops were here asking for you. What? Yeah. Probably at your office now. They uh, say what they wanted? No. Okay. All right. Here, 
Hey, thanks. Uh, park this crate for me, will you? I better go over to the office and see what they want. Sure, Mr. McRae, sure. You decide to leave the car on the lot, and then you hurry over to the terminal building. Go to the cocktail lounge, and from the window, you can see the police car parked in front of your office. Two policemen inside talking to Pop. You've got to get them out of there, Lloyd, if you're going to get the money out of the safe. $25,000. You'll have to be satisfied with that, won't you? The panic has left you now, hasn't it, Lloyd? And there's a smile on your lips as you dial the number of your office. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Lloyd there? You want Lloyd McRae? Yeah, sure. Uh, is he around? No, he isn't. Who is this? Well, just a friend. He was supposed to meet me at the Blue Lantern a half hour ago. I can't wait much longer. Uh, you don't know where he is? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I'll see him later. Uh, just a minute. You smile as you hang up the phone. You're pretty sure that in a few minutes the officers will be on their way to the Blue Lantern Cafe. You return to the cocktail lounge and watch. A moment later, you see the police officers come out of your office and drive off. The way is clear, isn't it, Lloyd? Now you've only to take the money, leave town, and you're sure that you can arrange that easily. You have one more thing to do before your plans are complete. You leave the cocktail lounge and walk into a nearby hangar. Hey, Mac. What? Oh, hi, Lloyd. Dave around? In the office. Thanks. Hi, Lloyd. Come on in. Dave, I got a job for you. Yeah? Yeah, this is a special sort of a job. Oh, one of those, then? Yeah. Well, I've always cooperated in the past, Lloyd. You know me, anything for a fast buck. Well, there's a grand in it for you, same as always. Tell me more. Fly me to Mexico. When? Right now. The deal. <sighs> Good. All right, get that crate of yours warmed up. I've got to go back to the office for a minute, then we take off, eh? Oh, uh, Dave. Yeah? Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I'm a clam, pal, a clam. You don't have a thing to worry about. Not a thing. I'll land in Mexico in an hour. Two hundred lucky Westerners will win some wonderful prizes in Signal's big $10,000 contest. Prizes such as Frigidaire's Deluxe Refrigerator with new cold wall cooling, a Frigidaire Electric Range or Frigidaire Home Freezer, five Halliburton makeup cases filled with exquisite cosmetics by Anatole Robbins of Hollywood, ten Packard Bell radios, ten Westinghouse vacuum cleaners, plus 50 Westinghouse pop-up toasters. And here's how easy it is to win these valuable prizes. Just write in 25 words or less what you think the angry bride on the signal gasoline billboard is shouting at her out-of-gas groom. For instance, she might be saying, I'd never have said yes if I had known you don't use signal go-farther gasoline. Winners will be selected on the basis of originality and humor, aptness and suitability in advertising signal products. Your chances of winning are good because only entries mailed on official entry blanks from the six signal states, California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Nevada, and Arizona, are eligible to win. So ask your nearest signal dealer for a free contest entry blank. It contains helpful suggestions that make it even easier for you to win a Buick or one of the 200 valuable prizes in Signal's big $10,000 contest. A curious crowd had gathered in front of the McRae Banyan office at the airport, milling around and talking in excited whispers. Inside the office, Lieutenant Robbins of Homicide faced the members of the press and was trying to explain what had happened. Uh, look, look, boys, look. I can only tell you what I know. Wait a minute. Wait, now look. I can only tell you what I know. There's a lot about this I don't know. A lot I don't understand. Yeah, well, okay, okay, Lieutenant. Now, so McCray was opening the safe here when the prowl car boys walked in on him, huh? He turned around, started shooting. That's right. The boys had to give it right back to him in self-defense. So McCray is dead. Now, what did the law want with him in the first place? Well, a man named Joe Ramos was killed last night. He was yeah, murdered. Yeah, I know, I... Lieutenant. I wrote that yarn myself. Now, what about it? Well, we made a couple of interesting discoveries about this Joe Ramos tonight. 
Now, first, the boys down at the morgue found $25,000 hidden in the lining of his overcoat. Twenty-five. This is big. I'm going to phone my paper. Now, wait a minute. You better wait until I finish. Second, the identification papers on him were phony. He wasn't Joe Ramos. We found this out after we checked up on a dame. We found a picture of her in his wallet. <laughs> a case of find the woman, huh? Right. Well, we picked her up, brought her down to the morgue. When she recognized the body, she went all to pieces. Told us about the $25,000. Bank loot? Nope. His girlfriend told us he was double-crossing his partner, running out with the firm's dough. The twenty-five grand we found on him. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was going to skip last night on the midnight plane for Mexico City. The girl was going to meet him there later. Only at 8 o'clock last night, somebody bumped him off in that alley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had an appointment near there with a frozen meat dealer named Lee. And the funny thing about it was, the girl said he was only keeping the appointment to keep his partner from becoming suspicious. They always make one error, Lieutenant, don't they? Yeah, nearly always. In this case, it was a fatal error. Even his girl thought he made a getaway. She thought he was safe in Mexico until she recognized his body at the morgue. Yeah, you boys certainly solved this one quick. Yeah. Oh, but we had a little luck, of course. Uh, one of the boys recognized the picture we found in his pocket. Huh? A nightclub singer, Fran Engel. Fran Engel? Hey, but she was Matt Banyan's girl. Right. The dead man we thought was Joe Ramos because of his phony identification papers turned out to be Matt Banyan. Lloyd McRae's partner. Banyan was double-crossing McRae. It looks like it. And now McRae. Yeah. Yeah, but what I can't figure is why McRae started shooting when the boys in the prowl car came here to his office. We only wanted him to come down to headquarters and pick up that $25,000 we found on Matt Banyan. <laughs> 